right, how are we doing this morning? Good, 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 good. Um, if you have your Bibles, Jonah chapter 3, I just, I just want to look at 10 and then we'll jump right into 4, kind of lead us right into that. Um, and I guess really before we kind of get into everything, I don't know what worship looks like for you. I don't know, I'm just a mess right now. Um, but for me, as, as we sang that song, um, I guess I just have this thought of, holy cow, someone would die for me. I mean, I know mom and dad say that they would, and I want to believe that they would. Um, and having kids, you're like, yeah, I would, I would lay my life down for my kids. Um, but for someone to die for somebody that's no good, wicked, sinful, that would fight against, that would be considered an enemy of, to have a God who would willingly lay down his life, I mean, blows my mind. So for me, as we sing that song, worship is just us gladly reflecting back to God, how much we value Him, uh, His worth in our life, what that means and what that looks like. And so as we sing that song and that, that thought just kind of resonates in my heart, like, God, are you, are you serious? Like, you would do that for me? <laughs> you did do that for me. You, vo- you, you voluntarily went to that cross and laid down your life for a wretch like me. And we're going we're to talk about that stuff here in a minute. But I'm just, like, I'm just thinking of just like the, the reality of that. I mean, for a right, and the scripture reason says that for a righteous, maybe someone would die. For a good man, maybe. I mean, but for us, church, that, that God would voluntarily sacrifice. Like, like, like do, you, do you understand the weight of that? Like, God kills his son. And the reason why God kills his son, and I want to make sure we understand the, the picture of that. I mean, this brutal death our God pours out on his son, all the wrath and judgment that we rightfully deserve. I mean, I mean that blows my mind. Blows my mind that, that our God would do that for us. And then to see what we're going to look at this morning, this, this prophet called of God, just pouting and hard-hearted, lips stuck out, acting a fool, and to think that God would show mercy and grace, I, it just, it gets me. I, I just, oh, man, to think that that's the God we serve, one that comes after us, and one that loves us so much that, that he willingly kills his kid. I, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I've, got, I've even got three. I could, I could get, get rid of one, right? Uh-uh. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it for anyone in this. I couldn't do it for me. I couldn't do it for my wife. Give up my kid for us? Oh, but that's what God does for us. I'm going to ask you if you join me as we pray, and then we'll um, work out what God has for us this morning. Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, God, help us feel the weight of that this morning, the reality of that. The fact that you would sacrifice your son. He would willingly say, Dad, here I am. My life for theirs. God, thank you so much for that. Jesus, I pray this morning that you would work in a mighty way in this place. God, that you would would change hearts. That you would, oh God, draw closer. Father, if there be one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, God, that you would just uh, show. God, woo that heart. Rescue that, that soul. Father, if there is one here, Lord, that may be just struggling, sin, whatever's got a hold of them, God, that you would break those chains, reign supreme in their life. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. Thank you for the privilege to be able to gather with brothers and sisters this morning and lift high your name. Oh, God, may you receive glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Um, so, so the plan will look like this. We'll um, get halfway through Jonah 4, and then next week we'll finish up the book of Jonah. Uh, then we'll do some Easter prep as we get ready to celebrate Easter. And we were talking, I was talking this morning with Ryan, and we were just talking, man, we're going to be in person on Easter this year, and we are excited, excited about that. Man, last year we had to do everything online, and so to be able to be in-house and celebrate the resurrected Jesus. Um, and so uh, we are excited that morning. We won't have discipleship development that day. We're going to have some pastries out in the lobby. We're going to have some family pictures. So if you want to come all gussied up like you do on Easter, you do that. We're going to get free pictures. We'll have those the next week to give to you. But man, we, we are excited to celebrate uh, Easter. That's kind of the, the game plan for the next few weeks for us as we prepare and, and celebrate uh, all that Christ has done. And so to kind of catch us up to get us to chapter 3 verse 10 there, uh, what we looked at last week was that we serve a God of second chances. Jonah had rebelled, but God got him to the place where he could finally use him, could bring him to the place where he needed him to be to, to do some things for his glory, for God's glory. And then in that, we see how serious God is about sin. As he tells Jonah to go tell uh, the people of Nineveh that he's going to destroy them in 40 days if they, don't, if they don't repent and turn. And then God is compassionate toward those who cry out for mercy. And he doesn't. He relents of that. And so that's what we looked at last week. If you missed it, you can check it out on our app, uh, or you can follow along there this morning even, or on our website. Um, but this morning, I, I just want to ask you a question to kind of kick things off. Kind of a, a pull back the curtain for a moment. Let's get to know each other a little bit better, a little bit deeper. Um, but, but I want to ask this question. Uh, do we have any powders in the room? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. No, no, put the hands up. No, we're not. We, this is church participate. Dang, okay, so there's, so there's a few of us, powders, okay. Well, I, I just want to go on record to say that I am, um, and I believe, uh, other than probably from our boy Jonah, um, I am probably one of the best powders I know. I mean, I, I'm good at it. I, I am so, so good at it. Like, like I, can, I can remember, like, especially like, again, pull back the kernel a bit, early on in the marriage, like when something wouldn't go my way, man, I could shut down and lock down in a moment. Oh, I was, oh, like it would be three or four days before I would even pull back a little bit and let her know what the problem was with her. Which really just circled around and the problem wasn't really with her, what I come to find out really, really quick. But, but I would, I would, something didn't go my way or I didn't like it. Um, things like that would happen. I, I mean, I would just, I mean, I would shut down. I could cold shoulder it in a minute. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I would take my ball and go home if I needed to. I was, just, I was just like, I could just, I could pout with the best of them. And, and, it's, and it's been a work. Like, God's worked on me. God's been, been chipping away at and And I feel like I'm getting better at not pouting. At kind of just opening up and just sharing uh, my heart, what's going on, what I'm feeling in that moment. Kind of working through some of, of that type of stuff. I feel like God's really brought about conviction. God's helped me, first of all, kind of grow and mature as a man. And then also as a, as a man of God, kind of done, done a work on me and kind of uh, shaped me and molded me and chiseled me and brought about conviction. Whereabout I needed to repent and get over myself. Um, because what I've learned is with pouting, I mean, that, that's the reality of it. That's the problem. The reason why we pout is because we believe things should go a different way or should go a certain way or a way that usually benefits us. And so if it doesn't benefit us and if it isn't all about us, then, then we just shut down or we, like I said, uh, do that little pouting thing. And, and what God has revealed to me and shown me and taught me over the years is this, is this, guy, you need to get over yourself. That, that you're living closed-handed with certain things. That you're making the story about the one that it shouldn't be about. About you. Your preference, your like, your wants, instead of pressing in and asking me what I want. 
And so God has just done a work in my heart because the reality is this, is that when we live in that place and we pout and we do the cold shoulder or we shut down or we lock up for however long, all that is is sin. All that is is saying, okay, God, I don't trust you in this moment to be you and to do what you need to do in this moment, in this person, in me, in this situation, in this circumstance, in, in whatever it may be. It's us telling God, yeah, you're good, but maybe not that good. And that's sin. And so God has done a work in me. And so we're going to kind of see that play out this morning. We're going to see, see that very thing happen this morning in this story as, as Jonah struggles with what God's going to do. And so my hope is that we uh, will see why it's so important, so very important to make sure our heart is in check, our heart is in tune, and our motives is pure before the Lord in all that we do so that His glory will be made known. That's where he needs to get us. That's where we need to live and be. And may we not do things uh, for God in a way that, that we try to manipulate him into doing something for our selfish hearts. And so let, let's jump in. Jonah 3, starting in verse 10. This is what God's word said. It'll be on the screen if you don't have uh, your copy with you. Uh, Jonah three ten says this. It says, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Jonah 4.1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. Dang, dang, y'all. I know that's not good English, but dang. I mean, I mean, what a response. I mean, what a place to be. Jonah is displeased. He's, he gets ticked because God extends grace and mercy to people that needs what? Grace and mercy. I mean, he gets mad at that. And I guess what blows my mind was Jonah just not in that same position. I mean, Jonah was just in the belly of a fish for three days in desperate need. Rewind it even more. He was in the sea, the open sea with a storm, and God provides this fish, and he needs that grace and that rescue and that mercy, the exact same grace and rescue and mercy, that God displays to these people, he displays to Jonah. And it's like he's just forgotten what's happened. I mean, the same thing. God rescues and saves him. All I got to say is when I read scripture, thank God there's not somebody following me around recording every little thing that I do, that I say, that I think. I, I mean, this poor guy, I mean, I mean, look at it. I mean, are we not quick to jump on Jonah like that fool? What is he doing? I mean, my gosh, does he not remember? I mean, we'll give him down the road. We'll give him a hard time. We'll jump him in a moment. Only to have the reality of our life to be the same thing from time to time, is it not? For us to be in the exact same boat, living the exact same way, thinking the exact same things, doing the exact same stuff. And so when we look at Jonah, we're not, we're not 100% why Jonah was so mad. I mean, there, there's a bunch of different reasons. It could be because he's afraid of losing faith. Face. I mean, he just proclaimed judgment, which now God's not going to give judgment because uh, they've responded in such a way to move toward God, not away from him. And so God's going to show grace and mercy. So maybe he was afraid to be ridiculed or mocked or made fun of. Uh, that, that could be a reason. Or, or Jonah, uh, as a Jew, having to deal with these Assyrians of Nineveh who mistreated his people, who took advantage of his people, who uh, were wicked to his people. Uh, maybe there was some bitterness and hard feelings there. Maybe that was some of the case. Or, or, or maybe because Jonah professed the only living God to Israel with very little success. 
So maybe there was some bitterness there. I mean, my people won't even get it, but these people get it. I mean, I don't know. We don't, we're not 100% certain the reason or the root of what's going on here in this story, in this moment, in Jonah's heart. But we've got to be, church, we have got to be so very careful to guard against so that we don't end up with a hard heart toward people. We've got to be very careful. Do people deserve? Yes, absolutely they do. Get them, God, get them. But do we not too deserve that same judgment and wrath and damnation? Absolutely. Absolutely we do. We, we deserve the same treatment, the same judgment, the same thing. But thank God that he doesn't. But thank God in his mercy and grace, he chooses not to, that he bestows upon us love, that he woos us and he draws us and he rescues us. Thank God for his mercy and grace. Yes, people deserve. But we've got to look past that. We've got we've to be so gospel driven that even in whoever, whatever they're deserving of, Man, our heart bent needs to be to the gospel and compassion and mercy, the same that's bestowed from God onto them. I mean, that should be, because that was the exact same grace and mercy that was shown to us. That's, that's why we're sitting here this morning. Like, you get that, right? That, that's why we have a love and a desire for God, because that mercy and grace wooed us. God rescued us and saved us from the very thing that we deserved. And so if we want to talk about deserving, all of us deserve but God in his mercy and grace. So what do we do? We've got to keep the cross and what God did for us so fresh on our heart that we are full of worship when God calls others to himself. That we don't get bitter, that we don't get hard-hearted, that we don't get mad or we don't get frustrated or we don't get aggravated when oh, I saved them. Can you believe it? I mean, that's in essence what Jonah's doing, is it not? <sighs> God saved them. Ah, God moved in their favor. God did something for them. See, I think the problem that arises is this, is that, is that we forget so quickly from what God saved us from. That, that we're so quick to forget how great and good and glorious God is and, and what he has saved us from. See, the problem is we think we're not that bad of a sinner. And, and we weigh our sins and we compare them. And, and when we compare our sin... We don't, ever we don't ever compare it to the guy that's like kind of close to us. It's, it's always to that guy like on death row or that whatever down the street or that one that just got arrested. I, I'd never hit my wife. I know better first, but I would never hit my wife. He, he hits his wife. I don't hit my wife. That, sinny, that sinner down there that needs... I mean, God rescues us from the same sin. I mean, I mean, you look at it and you slice it however you want to, but, but sin at the end of the day does what? It sends Jesus to the cross. Sends Jesus to the cross. So we think we're not that bad of a sinner. We don't think we're in that bad of condition. <clears throat> and that God should be grateful. He should be grateful to have us. That, that we actually bring something to the table. That we're actually good and it will help him if we're on his team. That, that, that he has done something now, he's accomplished something now, that he has recruited and that he has got a hold of us. And church, that is the wrong, wrong place to be. That is the wrong place to be with the wrong understanding. See, God doesn't need us. God doesn't have to have us. We add nothing to God. 
I die tomorrow, and guess what happens to new life? It will be open next Sunday, worshiping like it does this Sunday. Y'all don't need me. God doesn't need me. And for whatever reason, his grace and mercy. Uh, this guy right here plays the guitar every week that leads us into his presence. He don't need you. You can go away tomorrow and this thing's going to be fine. You right here, and the youth, he don't need you. I mean, you can leave tomorrow, whatever can happen tomorrow, and the youth will be just fine. This is God's church. He cares for her far more than anybody else in this room. And his grace and his mercy to call us into. Actually, over here, he don't need you. I mean, something could happen. You could leave, whatever. It would continue to go well because it's his church. We add nothing to it. It's his mercy and his grace that allows us. See, the problem, churches, and I know I'm picking on the staff for a minute because we need it. It's good for us. But the reality is you too. Everybody else has got a rear end in a seat or watching online this morning. This thing is going to be just fine because this, this is his bride. He loves her. He cares for her. He's going to take care of her. And as long as she's obedient and her heart is, is bent toward him, oh, he's going to take care of her and he's going to do a work regardless of who's steering the ship here, who, who's shepherding the people, who's leading certain ministry areas. Regardless of, of, of whatever it may be. We think far too highly of ourselves. And when we do that, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. See, we need to never forget that our sin is an offense to God. And we deserve the highest of judgments. We deserve that. But thank God for grace and mercy. Thank God for grace and mercy. And it looks like Jonah has maybe forgotten that. It looks like Jonah has, has taken his eyes off of that reality. and He's thought himself to be something that he's not. Verse 2, it says this, and he prayed to the Lord and said, so now he begins, so, he, so we get to see his heart here a little bit, he's a little, he's a little tipped, he's a little ticked, he's, he's mad in this moment, then he begins to pray, and look at what he says as he engages God in conversation, he says, oh Lord, is it not this what I said when I, when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, like he's justifying himself, like, God, I knew you'd do it, that's why, that's why I ran. For I knew that you are gracious, a gracious God and merciful. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Is it not crazy that we get to kind of see a little bit of Jonah's heart? That, that, that the curtains pulled back for us to kind of peer into? We get to see his heart that's not in a place that it should be? Oh, God, I knew it. I said it. I mean, what an indictment on God. I mean, yes, amen, thank you, Jesus, right? That, that this is the kind of God that, that we serve. He's loving, he's merciful, he's slow to anger. I mean, would we rather have the opposite? I mean, I want a cranky God that's just going to whip me every time he gets a chance. It's going to just be uh, ungrateful and unmerciful to me. This is going to beat me up and give me the worst whatever I can get. I, that's the kind of God I want. I mean, why don't we give him that kind of an indictment? But no, 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 he, he gives, I mean, what an, what a, what a word, a compliment back to, I, God, I knew you'd be gracious. I knew you'd be loving. God, I knew you'd be caring. I mean, God just saved a country and Jonah is mad for it. Wow. I mean, what a response. I mean, I mean Jonah acted in obedience by, by doing, but his heart and his motive was not pure and filled with joy, was it? I mean, he did what God told him to do. But the way that he did it, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of another story in the scriptures. Uh, turn over to Luke 15 real fast. Luke chapter 15. There's a brother in this story that I want us to look at that I think parallels really, really well to what we see here in, in Jonah. Luke 15, you, you probably know the story, the story of the prodigal son. 
He, he comes to his dad one day and says, give me everything that I deserve. And what does the dad do? The dad shows grace and mercy and he gives it to him. And then the younger brother runs off and he spends it and he wastes it. And he's, he's there in that country in that day and a famine hits. And he's there in that country and that famine hits. Uh, he has nothing to do, but he joins himself to a man of the land that day. And he, he's feeding the pigs and he finally comes to his senses and he, and he runs back home. And he has his speech rehearsed of what he's going to tell his dad. I'm not worthy to even be your son if you'll just make me a hired help. So he goes back to his dad, and, and as he's coming, his dad runs to him and falls on him. And the, and the younger brother, he doesn't even get a chance to give his speech. And the dad falls upon him and kisses his neck and gets, gets the, fa- uh, uh, the ring for his finger, the, the cloak, the, the shoes, the, the, everything just to, to restore him in that moment and the fatty calf to celebrate. And then what we see here is Luke 15, 25, it says this, Now his older brother was in the field. And he came and he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked, what's going on? What's all these things mean? Verse 27, he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. And look at the brother's response, but he was angry and refused to go in. I mean, should he not be excited and celebrating? I mean, his younger brother is back. He's okay. Everything seems to be good now. But that's not what we see the, the older brother doing. Look at the father's response. So the father comes out and he entreats him. Verse 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your commandment, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Uh, he felt entitled for being a good boy. Dad, I've been a good, I've been a good boy and you haven't even done this for me. Do you know what I would want to do as a dad? Oh, let me show you what I have done. That roof over your head, that food in your stomach, those clothes on your uh, boy, I will, oh. No, 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 not this dad. Not, not this dad. He doesn't do that. No, no, no. See, that the boy here, he's done everything that was expected all of these years. And he thinks he's gotten nothing for it. What I would press us this morning is that we need to be careful in thinking that we're doing all the right things for the wrong reasons. See, he was doing all the right things, but he wasn't doing it with the right heart. He was doing what was required or asked or expected of him, but, but his heart wasn't in that place. And, and I'm afraid uh, that many a day we're no different than this brother or we're no different than, than Jonah as we see here in this scripture. So the question I would ask you is this, what, what's your motive in being obedient to God? Why do you listen? Why do you do? Why do you follow? Is it what you can get? Or do you think you can have God to do? Is it because you think that you can uh, have some leverage on God or that you can control God or you can even negotiate with God? Is that the reason? Because that's what we're kind of seeing here in, in this story. That's what we see with Jonah I just want to to remind you that we have absolutely nothing to bring to the table. There is nothing special about not one of us in this room. That's the beautiful thing about grace. That's the beautiful thing about mercy. Is that God bestows it upon us just because of his nature and character. We have nothing to bring to the table. Nothing. So the question I would ask you is this, why are you here this morning? Why do you gather? Why do you serve? Why do you give? Is it so you can feel better about yourself? Do you serve in a ministry so you can maybe have some semblance of authority or compliments? Do you read your Bible so that you can check the box and just have this running tally of how many times that you've done that? 
I mean, what's your heart, heart's motive? If it's not glad obedience, then it's sin. If it's not a pure motive, then it's sin. See, see religion is all about rules. Religion is look at what I can do, look at, look at what I've done, check out my, my list, look at, look at how, how good I've been, look at, look at what I've accomplished. That's what religion's about, not relationship. Not like we don't earn, do stuff to earn God's favor. We don't do stuff so he will like us more, which the great news is no matter what we do, he won't love us any less. That's the great news of the gospel. And so what we see here is, is a heart that's bent towards self. So do you know why that, that I read the scriptures? Do you know why that I serve? Do you know why that, that, that I do those things? It's because I get to. I don't have to. It's because I've been invited in by the king. I mean, think about that for a moment. Not many of us in this room could roll up to a place that's very special and get in free. And not many of us has been invited into anywhere like, like, like fancy or, or spectacular or, or very special. I don't care what mama's told you. You're her best. Yeah, you, maybe you are. But you couldn't just walk into the White House. But what the king has done is he has opened the door. And he has invited us in freely. And so do you know what? I don't have to read the scriptures. Thank God I get to. I don't have to come to church. I get to. I don't have to come to a men's breakfast on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. I get to. Why? Because I'm with other brothers who love Jesus, who want to grow, who, who want to go deeper. I don't have to go knock on doors and see if I can pray for people and get to know my neighbors. Why? I get to. Why? Because there's lost people there. And I want them to know of the, the glories that I've tasted and I've eaten and I've had. And I want to invite them in because the king, king has opened the doors. The veil has been rent, church. We have access. We've been invited in. And, and it's the shag nasties who's been invited in. Not the royalty. Not those with all the money and the stuff. But us busted up, broken down, no good for nothing. That's who's been invited in. And Jonah has taken his eyes off of that reality. Don't you get religious on me. I don't care how many times you read your Bible this week. If you don't remember what you read, then you didn't read your Bible this week. I don't care what your little app says, how many times you open it. I'm at 55 myself. But if we don't remember what we read yesterday, and our heart and our bent and our desire is not more for him, then what was it for? So you can feel better about yourself? So you can be more religious? So you can be more learned? I don't want to be more learned. I want to be more relational and submerged more in relationship. And I want to be changed. That's what I want. That's why I do it. That's what I get to. I don't have to. That's the difference between religion and relationship. Man, we've been invited in. And the older brother and Jonah has forgotten that. So what's your motive? Is it self-glorification or out of a sincere desire for him? And, and then look at verse 30 as we continue. But when this son of yours, I mean, look at that, no connection to the brother. He's just divorced himself completely from his brother. This boy of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you kill a fatty calf for him I mean what, what, what a loving older brother right I'll just say hey that bum of yours came back but, but he reminded dad of what that bum of his did I mean how bad his sin was how bad and how awful his sin was forgetting that, that he's in the same boat 
I mean, right now in this moment. And he can't see it because he's in the moment. I know we're the same way, and Jonah's the same way right now. But, but in that moment, I mean, he's been just as, as equally bad, is he not? I mean, his sin may look a little different right now in this moment, but it's still sin. Church, don't ever forget that. Don't ever lose that. See, the religious who are serving out of selfish ambition is so quick to do this kind of stuff. Look at how bad they are. Those sinny, sinny sinners. That's what sinny, sinny sinners. That's what they are. Look, look at how bad they are. Look, look at what they've done. And so they don't get their way and they like to throw it up in, in people's faces. We'll, we'll look, remind them. Why? Because when they do that, they deflect about their own sin. They deflect about their, their own struggle, their, their own stuff that they're dealing with and having to work through. And if they, if they point out everybody else's, they don't have to do, they don't have to deal with theirs. I think that's why, I think that's the culture and world we live in now, isn't it? This cancel culture, this, let's just write them off, let's just get rid of them, let's just, uh, whatever we got to do to just uh, uh, get rid of and, and cancel. See, when we point out all of their faults, all of their struggles, all of their issues, we don't have to look at ours. We don't have to deal with ours. Man, if we would work as hard to critique ourselves as we did everybody else, can you imagine what God would do with us? Can you imagine how he could work through us? If we do it in a good, healthy way, oh God, I thought this this week, God, I acted like this, God, I responded like this, oh Lord, I looked at that, I talked like that, that was the response I give uh, there. And can you imagine what he would do if he would allow us to feel the weight of our brokenness for a moment? Just be reminded of our sin. And the older brother and Jonah are missing it. Are missing it. Verse 31 says this, and, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, this your brother was dead. He is now alive. He was lost, and he is found. I mean, do you hear the, the word? Do you hear the weight of the words in that? I mean, look at that for a second. Dead, now he's alive. I mean, holy cow. Let's celebrate that for a minute, boy. I mean, he was lost. Like, you know what lost means? You can't find, you don't know where they're at, you don't know what's happening, you don't know what's going on, but now he's been found. I mean, holy, let's, let's, let's celebrate that for a minute. You're worried about your little fatted calf or your little goat or your little whatever for your friends. I mean, he was gone, gone. He was, he was gone and now he's back. It's so important for us to constantly check our heart and our motive, is it not? Because you, you really want to know what's happening at a deeper level here in this story? When, when the younger brother goes to the dad and says, I want my inheritance, what does that mean? One, dad, I wish you were dead. And two, give me the money that I deserve that's mine. Because I've got the same last name as yours, it goes to me. That's what he tells his dad. I wish you were dead, give me my money. So the dad does it. He, I don't know what, how he did it or if he had surplus, I don't know. But he gives the boy his money, the boy runs off, acts stupid with it, wastes it all. And then he comes back and this dad, oh, this dad... Man, what a heart of God, is it not? What a heart of God. That, that's who the dad is. It's God. Because what does God do? He falls on his boy again because he's been rescued. He's been saved. He's been brought back to life. And so what does that mean for the boy? The inheritance is back on. And so what do we see with the older brother? He gets taken because now his wealth has just dwindled in half again. That's the heart of the matter here in this moment. That's some of what's happening here in this story as Jesus tells this. Man, I'm not going to get all the money that I deserve. All the money that's mine. What I should have is half of it's gone again. Oh. That's what's happening. All the while missing the fact that the dead's alive. That the lost has been found. He was more worried about what it's going to cost him and going to do to him and happen in him 
and he could care less about his brother. He could care less. Oh, church, it's so important that we check ourselves and our motives. Why am I doing whatever it is that I do? And so may it be, may our heart's desire be to pray to God and ask him to search us and to show us and to help us kill the fleshly desires that are contrary to him. God, may we, may we not think so highly of ourselves. May we understand. Now, and I don't mean, I don't say that to go the complete opposite side and just beat ourselves up and think we're worthless pieces of trash. We're not. I mean, God, God sees something in us and he saves us and he rescues us and he redeems us. And so we are something to him. We just need to make sure that that is in a good and healthy right place. That we don't circumvent him, but that we understand what God has done for us and in us. And if we stay in that place, if we stay in the place of this younger brother, if we stay in that place of Jonah for a very long time, what will happen is we'll end up like Jonah and the younger brother. We'll end up in that place where we have a heart that grows bitter and hard toward people and toward God. I mean, that's what we see here in the story. Jonah's ticked at God. The older brother's ticked at his dad. Because they haven't worked through their stuff. They've forgotten where God's brought them. Let's get back to Jonah 4.3. Jonah 4.3, it says this. It says, Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Sweet mercy. I mean, that, that, that sped up awful quickly, did it not? I, I don't, I'm just talk for a second. I, I don't know where you're at with the scriptures. I don't know if like, like if you, what you think. I mean, this is a good read. I, I mean, maybe you do that soap opera thing through the week. I don't know. Um, but, but I mean, like, like, this, like this is some twisted stuff. And, and I say that to say this, it's because, I mean, have you read the scriptures? I mean, how jacked up, messed up these people are? I mean, I love the honesty of Scripture. Like, if, if you're a critic of Scripture or no critics of Scripture, send them to stuff like this. Just let them read the Old Testament for a minute. I mean, there's stories like this in the New Testament too, but I mean, I mean just let them get their head. Or, God doesn't hide this stuff. Again, God doesn't paint a picture for us that, that, that what, um, it's not true. I mean, because all of us can relate to this stuff. But, but Jonah gets to the place where he says, just, just kill me. Just, just, just take me. I mean, the scriptures doesn't hide or don't play down things. It gives us a real sight and some raw truth. I mean, Jonah's just a jacked up dude. And God still loves him. And God still moves toward him. And God still desires to use him. I mean, what's your story? What's God done in your past? What has he brought you from? What has he rescued you from? Or maybe even now in this moment. What's God doing? What has he done? What is he working through? What's he trying to open your eyes and heart to? Man, man I love the honesty of scriptures. I mean, let's just get our head around it for a minute. You got a man called of God to preach to the people of Nineveh only to flee from the call that God has on him in chapter 1 and to be broken over being banished from God in chapter 2. He, he then, what he does is he praises God for saving his life only to arrive here in this place in chapter 4 where he's asking God to kill him because God shows grace and mercy to a wicked country who turns from their wickedness. I mean, I just love the heart of God. I love it. I mean, he just, he just listens here in this moment to Jonah's foolishness. And then what's he going to do? He's going to do the God thing and he's going to respond. I mean, I, I love that. I mean, God just listens. And then as God listens and hears, what does he do? He, he steps in and he moves in and he responds in his typical loving way. Look at verse 4. He says, and the Lord said... 
So God responds to him. Do you well to be angry? God answers Jonah. God answers Jonah here. See, see, what he's saying to Jonah is this. Jonah, is this, is this really something you need to be mad about? Is this really something that you need to be this upset about? To the point where you, you just want me to, to take you away, to, to kill you? Jonah, is it really that bad? I just love how God engages him in that moment. God doesn't say, all right, boy. He doesn't do that. I mean, God doesn't whip him, doesn't wear him out, doesn't beat him up. Doesn't... God just lovingly says, okay, Jonah, I've heard you. But is this the type of response we need to have in this moment, in this time, with what's going on, with what I've accomplished and done? I mean, is this where we need, I mean, where Jonah lands? Because all God's done is shown grace and mercy to a group of people who deserve judgment and wrath. And what's happened, Jonah has been quick to forget where he's come from. How God has rescued him from the exact same place. Exact same place. See, Jonah's sin may have looked different, but it's still rebellion and sin and deserving of what? Judgment and damnation. I mean, his sin may have looked different. It may not have been as bad as what the people of Nineveh has been. But Jonah still had sin in his heart. Walking in it right now in this moment. And God moves toward yet again showing grace and showing mercy. I mean, he may have done some things uh, uh, that are different than these people. But he's still in need of grace and mercy. I mean, this is the very heart and call of missions for the people of God. It's to be reminded and to know what God has rescued and redeemed you from. To have tasted and experienced that mercy and grace. Now to go and extend it to others. To go after those people, the outcast, the, the wicked, uh, whatever the sin you may think, to, to engage in conversation with gospel implications. See, this is the call that God has put on us, that he expects of his people, to engage the world of, with that conversation of hope that's only found in the redemptive work of Jesus. That's what he's asked Jonah to do, but and when they respond in a way that he didn't like, his heart grows hard and bitter toward it toward God and toward them. Church, we're called to go and share and be a light in the dark world. In our Jerusalem, like we're doing right now, with this after school, with this uh, a prayer walking, with engaging our community, with, we, we want to have, have some block parties over there this year where we just cook hot dogs for that community and just to get to know our neighbors. To just engage them with conversation, to, to, to learn and know who they are and just love on them. Icy's, popcorn, bounce houses, all free just for that community, just to say, hey, we're your neighbors and we love you. We just want to say, hey. And then for it to spread out and to go deeper and deeper and deeper, like some of the conversations that I've been having with some people, some things that's being pressed upon our heart that they want to do to, to be outstretching to, to one day that we go to the ends of the earth. Like, I can't wait till we can get back in that game. Until we can join God in, in, to the nations. That we can take him to the nations I mean, that we can see people come to know Christ all over the globe. And then what we see here in Jonah 5, this is the pouting prophet. Look at him, Jonah 5. As Franklin or whoever comes back up to lead us here in this moment. Look, look at his response. God asks him that question, and this is Jonah's response to it. Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under its shade till he should see what would become of the city.
All right, God, let's see what happens. I mean, he doesn't even answer him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't even engage him in that. He just goes around and says, let's see what happens. Just sits there, just watches. I mean, the arrogance in the dude. I mean, I thought I was a good powder. Okay, he trumps me. And hear me, I'm like, I'm not over my pouting fits. Like, I, I can still throw a pouting fit with the best of them. I really can. But the good thing is this, is that God has got a hold of my heart more and more and more and more, and he's helped me get over myself more and more and more. There are times when myself still kind of peeks in and we have to take care of that and handle that. And he's loving and gracious enough to do that with me. I mean, the audacity of the dude. Let's see what God does. I can just imagine him sitting there kind of lips snarled. I don't know why lips snarled. Maybe spitting every once in a while. Maybe throwing a pebble toward Nineveh. Turn into a boulder and hit him. I don't know. I, I mean, just... What, what in the world is he doing? Sits there to see what God's going to do. Church, may we not be a church that has a hard heart toward the nations, toward people, regardless of color, regardless of background, regardless of status, regardless of socioeconomical type stuff. And may we have a heart to go after. May we have a heart to share. And when God redeems and rescues the vilest of the vile, may we celebrate like crazy in what our God has done. So the question I would end with is this. What's your heart like? Where are you at this morning? Is His name and His renown the desire of your heart? See, that desire looks like this, to see the lost saved. That desire looks like this, to give and serve and give your life away for His glory and His honor. That's what it looks like. That's what it means. Or is your heart like this? You've got your selfish agenda, your selfish wants, desires that dominate your heart. And you can throw a pout fit in a moment. Live for self, not serving, not making the gospel known, getting hard-hearted all the more while maybe God blesses or does something in somebody else's life and you do that little compare game. God created him there for that moment, for that time to do a specific thing. He's created you for here, this moment, this time, and this place to do a specific thing that you're supposed to do. Now, don't, don't worry about them. Don't worry about you. And I just, I just pray that God gets a hold of our heart and that he shapes us and molds us and he gets rid of us so that he can be fill us with more of him and in that, that we can resemble and look like him and live him out and be him in this world that is in desperate need of it, of him. So you got to get over you. i got to get over me. My comfort, my desires, my longings, my yearnings mean nothing if they don't match His. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God stirred in your heart. I don't know what He has done. I don't know if maybe you're a little too full of you and you need to kind of get rid of that a little bit. God, God will let you know. God will let you know. What's that conversation look like this week with your boss or maybe your spouse or maybe your kids? What's that conversation look like this week with... Maybe some in-laws, some family, your own parents. Maybe another way you can even look at it to see if you're too full of you and not enough full of Jesus is what have those conversations looked like with people this week in your life? Have they been gospel-centered? Or have they been me-centered, self-centered? Centered on things that really don't 
bear the weight of eternity. I mean, who have you told about Jesus? Who have you lived out Jesus in front of? Who, what have you done for the glory and honor of God? Because if you're not doing it for the glory and honor of God, you're doing it for the glory and honor of self. And if you keep living that way, you will end up in a miserable, miserable state like Jonah. Like the older brother. Because you can't bear that kind of weight. God didn't create the story around you. He created it around him. And he's allowed us to join in the story. And so when we elevate ourselves to utmost or most important or to the biggest, I mean, that's a weight that we crumble under. So what does God need to do in your heart this week to get your eyes more on him? What, what is God saying to you right now in this moment? How can you step forward in obedience all the more? And this altar is open. If you need to come pray, if you need to have conversations with people, whatever you need to do, man, I, I want to encourage you in this moment to be obedient to Jesus. If you need to step out and make a phone call, man, I, got, like, I want to get real here for a minute. If you need to bring your wife down, and you say, look, I, I acted like a fool this week with you. I did not love you like Christ called me to love you and sacrificed myself. Like, like guys, like, you know that, right? When you signed up, and maybe you didn't sign up, maybe she tricked you into, I don't know how you, but God's will for your life now is that woman that you said, I do too. And God's will for your life right now to that woman that you said I do too is for you to die to yourself every day for her. To lay down your life. To care for, to walk with. Maybe it's a work. I don't know. Maybe it's a work. It's a relationship there. That you think you deserve too much or you think that you should have too much. I I don't know what it is. But whatever God stirs in your heart this morning, I just want to press you and encourage you to be obedient. Let Him work. Feel the weight of that very uncomfortable in that moment and but whenever you lay it down and you let him do work man the freedom that comes with that when I figured out that my marriage wasn't about me man it got sweeter now it's taken me 14 years I'm still not there yet but I'm getting there when I figured out that this life isn't about me I mean I'm 37 years into this thing maybe I'll have a long more time to go God's got a lot of work to do or he may just say hey forget it boy just come on with me Man, whenever I figured it out that it's not about me, and I think you said this yesterday in our men's thing, when we live with an open hand, God can take and do whatever he needs to do whenever he needs to do it, and we're fine with it because we know it's for his glory and his honor, and it's going to accomplish something far, far greater than we could ever imagine. Jonah missed that. Church, may we not miss it. Father, help us this morning. Feel that weight. Feel that. God, do a work in this place. God, I pray. I pray you start with this guy right here, praying and asking, God, break me, empty me of myself. God, empty us of ourselves so we can be filled with you. Shall we pray? Amen.